this week on Talking Back, just because you can jump the highest and the farthest doesn't make you the best jumper. Talking Back. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Talking Back podcast, where we talk about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me in studio once again is part-time co-host, Dean. Dean, how's it going? Good. Um, that intro mentions movies and comics and video games and more, and like we've done movies and comics, but I, I feel like we haven't done video games yet. We, you and I, have not done a video game yet. Right. You were absent for the episode with Jude, where oh. we covered Journey. So I of have course. talked about a video game. I have This not. is our first time together to talk about a video game perfect and i'm very excited about it what about you i'm super excited about it i am not a huge video game player uh i used to be but not so much anymore and i'm really excited to get back into a video game and talk about it yeah i'm very excited too i love video games i don't necessarily get to play as much as i like because we've got many other things going on as well such as comics and movies. Right. So there, there's just not always enough time to play video games. And more. And more. That's yeah. <laughs> that's to come. More takes up more, a lot of time. People might be wondering, hey, what's this and more stuff that they talk about? Well, we don't really know. <laughs> We're not sure yet. We just put that there in case there's something else we want to talk about. But that will be coming. More will be coming. Perfect. Stay tuned. I can't wait. Stay tuned. So, Dean, this week, what are we talking about? We're talking about Bloodstained Curse of the Moon. That's correct. Bloodstained Curse of the Moon is a single-player, 8-bit platforming adventure in the style of Castlevania. Now, a lot of interesting things going on with this game. So, where do we even want to start with this? I think we'll start with a we'll start with a gentleman named Koji Igarashi. Okay. Yeah. This guy is a writer, producer, and programmer, and he's been on many Castlevania titles in the past. Cool. He most notably worked on a game called Symphony of the Night for PlayStation 1. This is a game that I get a lot of flack for from all my video game friends because I haven't played it. Okay. And it is basically unanimously known as the best Castlevania game there is. You go to any list for top... 30, 40 Castlevania games, this is number one. Okay. So I never played it. But you are a big Castlevania fan. I'm a big Castlevania fan. I've played several of them. Yeah. Me, I would say I've played none of them. None of them. That's a low number. So I haven't played a lot of video games in my life. I blame that. I mean, blame is a a harsh word, but I'm okay with it. Um, That I have a brother that is eight years older than me who plays a lot of video games and maybe doesn't want a younger brother to touch the system. So I get to watch a lot of video games. And now in my life, I would rather watch a video game than actually play it myself because of my, my childhood. I would rather sit down and watch a video game than actually play it. Interesting. We've had times as adults where we've gotten together and you've played a video game and I've watched. And that's like fun for me. (laughs) I just, I like that. So Castlevania, I've watched you play a number of times. But actually me, myself, playing, I don't know if I've done it. So fun watching me back in the day? Oh, yes. No, big fan of the Castlevania games. Yeah, big fan of those when you were playing them. Um, Okay. Yeah. All right. Then I'm I'm glad that I wasn't just being a mean big brother and not letting you touch the system. That's the thing. That's the thing I'm trying to get to. I I loved it. Like, that was part of my childhood was watching you play video games. So I, I actually love it. I would rather have that happen than me play them. I have a few games that I've played by myself, which have like a special place in my heart because they're my games. Like they're the ones I played by sure. myself. But all those games that that uh, I watched you play also are high up there. Well, come to think of it, when I was playing Ocarina of Time, you had to go to bed earlier than me because I was older and I could stay up later. And I would record on VHS myself playing the game and then I would leave the tape for you and you could watch it the next day to see the progress I've made. It was summer and you were 20 and I was 12, something like that. You had to go to work in in the day 
And so you'd play at night, you'd play up till midnight or maybe later, I don't know, you had your own room with a TV in it, it was all, it was all great. You'd play and record it on VHS, I would get up the next morning, I would, you'd have the VHS on the kitchen table for me, I would pick yeah. it up, that was my morning That's really cartoons. cool, that's exciting. I would put the VHS yeah. in, and I'd watch you play Ocarina of Time before I'd ever touched a controller and played that game myself. That is the one game I've played through five times, maybe more, that's my game. Like, that's my favorite game. Yeah. And I started that game by just watching VHS tapes of you playing the Fire Temple and falling from floor five to floor one. Yeah. Floor one. It was, it was great. I loved it. Uh, luckily, the, the VHS wouldn't, re- wouldn't record my swearing on vulgarity that was being thrown out <laughs> as true. I was falling I, from level true. to level. I didn't get any of that. Um, theme, ongoing theme is that I still have that VHS tape. Wow. I have it. I have That blows my mind, man. I've I've maybe a year ago I, you know, sometimes go through these tapes and I found this one and there's oh my goodness. Um, still there. Me and playing Ocarina of Time, yeah. Do you it have is the Fire so tape? fucking boring to watch. You couldn't even imagine. Not for a twelve year old. No, no, I know and I get it. Like I guess <laughs> yeah. even playing it back, it's just so exciting. But I watched a bit of this tape and I was like, what? It's so it's so dumb. When you fell from that top floor to that bottom floor in the fire temple, that was like the biggest twist in a movie I'd ever seen. Like that, that was. For is me. it is it on purpose? Am I doing it on purpose? No, or no, I, no. I just fell off. The, the there's this one part where you have to you actually have to walk like the thinnest yeah. of railings, and like I to fell. get to a chest. I fell and you fell. Yeah, and you sure. fell all, all the, way the way to the first all floor, the and you had to work your way back up. And when that happened, I gasped. Like yeah. the most I've ever done in a movie before. It was. It was magical. Yeah. Well, hey, everybody. We're here to talk about Ocarina of Time this week. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Tim. Those are those tangents we've been talking yeah. about. Yeah. No, it's all good. So, getting back to it, Koji Igarashi. So, he worked on Symphony of the Night. He also worked on Castlevania Chronicles. He worked on Harmony of Dissonance. These are all Castlevania titles. Mm-hmm. He worked on Area of Sol- uh, Sorrow. He worked on Lament of Innocence. He worked on Dawn of Sorrow, Curse of Darkness, Portrait of Ruin. So he's kind of the one of the main fingerprints on these games that made them exceptional. They kind of stray, or I don't want to say stray, I want to say they evolve. He evolves mm. the concept of Castlevania into this style that has been coined Metroidvania. So it's like this, this game style that has the Castlevania platforming along with the Metroid searching for items and upgrading your character. And so is the Metroid game part of it, like revisiting rooms and stuff like that? Like, is that all the Metroid thing? Yeah. You don't necessarily, you're not on like a linear path right? going all the way left and all the way right. right. And you're upgrading weapon systems. You can upgrade like your, your character's abilities, you know, when you're talking about the very basic original Metroid, you can upgrade your suit and your jump and stuff like that. You can't do that in Castlevania, right? You power your whip up a bit and you can get some sub weapons, but your character never himself upgrades, right? He never takes less damage. He never gets armor or anything like that. So it's this type of combination where you're molding the two together for right. almost like a new type of genre. Okay, because in my mind, the Metroid is being able to like go back to a room you were in before. Right. I I, I don't know if that's correct. That's but in cor- my mind. That's when correct. I, when I hear for Metroid, these types okay. of games, you can you can you traverse the map. Right. Because right? when I'm thinking of like Mario, or I'm thinking of other like side-scrolling games that I've played, you can't go back. You don't go back to where you've been. You actually can't. You're not right. allowed to. So when I think of Metroid, I think of like there's a map you have to get through. You have to figure out where to go. And that's going to involve you going back to a room you've already been in. It's very much that. There's okay. there's different warp points yeah. that can like fast track you to different areas. Right. There's areas you'll see that you can't open yet because you don't have the right okay. weapon. Okay. So you um, you very much have to learn the map, remember things, yes. get other items, and remember that okay. you need to. Now you can go back to this room, enter this room. So it's like that. So he meshed these two together, is what you're saying. He, 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 ma- he like meshed he the was part of he it. was part of the team okay so to, to i don't want to give him all the credit because right. there's probably a, a huge team for of sure. people working on this for sure but when this guy came in he came in on symphony of the night and then these games started to change and he he was a finger definitely a main fingerprint on this okay happening okay did he do that 64 one that was like the first 64 one no okay okay no 
So that's one I just have in my memory of you playing. So. I, I liked that game. Yeah. A lot of people hated it, but I okay. thought it was pretty fun. But I liked watching it. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, luckily, I allowed you to play this game. You allowed me to play Bloodstained Curse, Blood of, the Moon. Curse of the Moon. Yeah. I, I didn't say, hey, Dean, no, come over. Come watch <laughs> Watch me play this game for the podcast. And you know what? If you said that, I would have probably, been like, cool. <laughs> if I had known, maybe I may have said that. I would have, been, I would have been totally down with it. So the development of this game is super interesting. Hit me with it. I'm going to hit you with it right here. Koji Igarashi. Mm-hmm. He kind of falls off the map a bit. But people love him. They love what he's done for these games. Now, what he's done is he's, he's, like, a, he's like a writer, producer, programmer. But he's not like the main guy. He's not like the director or, um, you know, a main producer or anything. He's just kind of like, seems like he's in the trenches molding things. But it sounds like he's so talented that, like, he just is infecting everybody and just making everybody better with the way that he's, uh, with his ideas and his um, thoughts for how this game should play out, right? Right. Like this infectious character who just, like, has such, such strong you know, ideas about what this could be and just gets everybody on board and everybody, you know, yeah. Join. Well, you, you've said producer, writer, and, and programmer, that's all the levels. Like producer is like, here's the big idea of it. And I want you to do it. Writer is the one who's like, okay, this is how I'm going to do it. And then programmer is the one who is in the trenches doing, this is how we accomplish it right now. He's not the, he's not those three for each game. Okay. Right? In, in certain games, his... he's a writer. Okay, he okay, just, okay. he, he has, he's, crossed all those boxes in his journey of these games okay but the fans love him okay yeah. he falls off the map for a bit but the fans love him so a kickstarter page is started and my understanding was it was started on behalf of the fans wanting him to make a new game cool so i think what happened was i think possibly the fans started the kickstarter page and it started to get a lot of like there were a lot of legs behind it. It right. started to raise money and right. he realized, look, this is something. So I'll just start my own Kickstarter page. Well, it could even be just like Twitter, like, Hey, you should do a game. Hey, and like, it might've been that. All That's this, true. Like it could have been that. traffic. And then him being like, okay, put your money where your mouth is. Here's the Kickstarter page, right? It could be, that's still fan driven that he started it because he was hearing all these things. Um, but yeah, if it's professional, like looking, then maybe that's how it came about. Right. So the Kickstarter page, was for a new game, a new Castlevania game for the modern generation systems. And it was called Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. Okay. So this project, it raises five and a half million dollars. That's a lot of money. That's for a- To earn on a Kickstarter? That's a lot of a money. A Kickstarter page? I don't know how much it takes to it's, make a video game, but fucking that's a insane. lot of money. Well, five and a half million will do it. For sure. So... One of the uh, one of the promises, if the project made the money it needed, was that they would develop a retro style accompaniment to that game. What a great idea! The retro style accompaniment is Bloodstained Curse of the Moon, the game we're talking about today. What a great idea! What a great idea! What a great idea. So cool! So this game, Curse of the Moon, it gets a six month development cycle. With roughly 35 to 40 people working on it. So they put a lot of money and effort behind this game. And obviously... That, that is a lot. That yeah. is a lot. It That's obviously lot comes through. People. Yeah. Like, I, I am a programmer. So knowing, like, having 40, 35 to 40 guys, like, probably not all programmers, but, like, a bunch of programmers on something for six months, you can get a lot done. But knowing what it takes to put together a video game... Oh, for sure. Six months doesn't really matter how many people you have working on it. Six months is not a lot of time. It seems tight to like deliver a project in six months. It's very very tight. I could see 35 to 40 people working on a game for two years, three years even. So short development cycle. The game is developed by a company called Inti Creates. Now, Koji Igarashi only provided scenario and setting oversight for this game. So I was thinking maybe he had more of a fingerprint on this game, mm-hmm. but he didn't. Scenario and setting. So there's actually no like story. Like no. story is someone else. Yeah. So it all, it's almost okay. like almost everything is is this other team. But he, he felt like the team was strong enough to succeed without his help. 
So he just kind of like hands off the reins. Maybe he met with them. I'm and sure there was like, meetings and I'm he sure probably threw he some was ideas like, here's out. my idea. And they're like, here's our idea. And right. he's like, you so, got yeah, it. that sounds yeah. great. Yeah. So basically the team wanted to recapture the essence of the 8-bit Castlevania game. But what they felt was that people remember 8-bit games looking better than they do. 100%. Which is, which is 100% true. 100%. Because obviously like when you look at a game from 20 years ago, that was the coolest thing you could see at that time, right? There was nothing better, but now there is. So we think, oh, that game was so cool. Boot it up. Yeah, like it looks, it's still fun and everything, but it's not what you remember. So they wanted to add gameplay elements and features that wouldn't have been possible cool. on the previous hardware cool. as a way of bringing it up to speed for, for the modern day. Great, because like the limitations of the game at that time was not just the graphics but also the size of the game right like the things the things that you were able to do with the memory you had right it it wasn't just what you were seeing but it was also what could be saved what could be logged it's all it's everything yeah it's it's how long the game could be it's what your graphics could look like it's um what your music could be Right. Because you you think of that, you think back to those games and all you think about is graphics. Right. You think about like the 8-bit game, you think about the 16, the 32 and the 64. You think about all these progressions and it's all graphics in your head as a kid. Right. But it's like it's all of it. It's everything. It's like you said, it's the music. It's the it's the uh, how long the game is. It's the save points. It's all that stuff. Like there was no save points back like in or the Sega Master System. There's no save points in that. Right. Like the. Yeah. Nintendo, there's no save points in those no, games. No, back, back in those days, the best you could do was you could hope for a game that had an internal battery where you could have um, a password. That was the best you could do. Yeah. One of my favorite games, which it really this game really reminds me of, is Super Ghouls and Ghosts. Yeah. And when I played that game, like you have to beat that game in one sit. You have to sit down. Yeah. And when you start that game, if you want to beat it. Yeah. It's got to be in one sitting. There's no save points. There's no nothing. There's no passwords. No. And you have to beat that game twice. You know that, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. That. I, I beat it the, the oh, one time. I know that. <laughs> yeah. I beat it the one time. And then they're like, no, you have to go back and get the power bracelet in, in World 1 2. You know what I did? What'd you do? I put my controller down. I said, you know what? I fucking beat you. Yeah. That's ex- I beat you. That's exactly. I don't need to beat you again with a power. I beat you right now. <laughs> that I just is exactly beat your what whole I... game and the so, boss. I mic dropped and walked away. I was like, fuck off. <laughs> Super Goals and Ghosts is one of those games where I'm like, this game has a, a close place in my heart because I played it by myself. I didn't just watch it be played. I played it by myself and I played it. I took it with me to Mexico with my friends when I was 20 years old. I brought it there. You, you took it on what? The Super Nintendo? On sega genesis i brought no is that on sega genesis i think so that's no, a super nintendo game. super nintendo okay could have been then, I, then I brought the super nintendo wow yeah i brought the Good super job. nintendo because i was so in, i just got into you the game just at brought that point. the vhs tape of it and shown it to everybody <laughs> i could have i should have that would have been so much easier to pack we brought the super nintendo we were at a Me- we were at mexico we were at like beaches oh, that's amazing and we one day we're like we're gonna beat this game and one saturday when it was raining outside we fired up the game and everyone took turns. Me and two other two other guys, two of my buddies, we were playing the game, throwing the controller to each other. We finally get to the end. We've been playing all day in Mexico. We spent a whole, like, I, I feel like it was one day, but maybe it was a weekend. We spend the whole day playing this game. We get to the end and they say, go back to the beginning yeah. and start it again. We did the same thing. We threw the controllers down. Done. We said, we're done. Yeah. Shut it off. We're going to the beach tomorrow. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shut up, programmers. <laughs> shut, up, shut up, super we ghouls beat your and ghosts. Game. We yeah. beat your game. Yeah, we beat your Get game. Get your special weapon. Yeah, you know what? If if you guys are listening, programmers, that is, that's a stupid move to do. Yeah. Right? That's not stupid. replay value. No. That's just annoying. All right? This so game. stop it. This game does it better. This oh, game does the same thing. Listen, listen. This game, this game does, does the it same way better, thing. Way better. Way better. This is how it should be done. Yeah. We'll get there, though. Okay. So, some of the things that the team includes that couldn't be included before are larger sprites. So, do you know what a sprite is? Uh, sprite is like the character graphics. Yeah. 
So a sprite is used in older games. That's the way that they could convey the character. Okay. Right? So it's not like a it's not like a three D image. It's the it's like what you would call a two D graphic. Okay. For these uh, okay. Old, older games, every little graphic on the screen is it's it's called a sprite. Sprite. Okay. So the sprites, they're able to make them larger okay. in this game. Like so, they're able to make like one specific thing larger. Is that? Like, so they can make an enemy larger, or they can make something else larger. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Typically, yeah. in this game, what it was, was the bosses were a lot larger than regular Castlevania games. Yeah, that's, okay. That's that's where I noticed it. Yeah. Uh, the bosses were great in the, this game. The bosses were cool. Yeah. The big thing for me is what they incorporated was parallax scrolling. Now, what this is, is you have levels of depth to the screen Mm -hmm. and as your character moves let's say your character is moving from left to right he's moving he or she because there's multiple characters in this game but your character is moving at a certain speed your immediate background is moving at a speed relative to you and your distance to it oh wow then there's a layer behind it yeah which is moving at a different speed because it's further away then there's a level behind that and this game had about three or four levels and so you've got these that makes sense. Yeah. Levels moving. And as you're running, yeah. things are moving at different speeds. And totally. it, it makes it look real. It, yeah, because totally. It, that's how things naturally look, right? Yeah, wow. Things closer to you move faster. Things further from you move slower away. So the moon, there'd be scenes where you're you're running and the trees are moving faster than the moon behind it. Yeah. But everything's kind of moving individually. Totally. yeah. You won't get that with an 8-bit game, right? No, yeah, definitely. So That's, I, I like this explanation because I, I sit there and I play this game and I'm like, this looks better than when I played a Super Nintendo game or when I, when I played a Genesis game. It looks better than that, but I don't know why. Right. I can't put my finger on it. That is what it is. Yeah. So yeah. You, they couldn't achieve that with 8-bit. Yeah, for sure. It's a real cool It looks. It do. looks really good. And <sighs> it I, looks I, so I, good. I always sit there and wonder when I'm playing these games like on the Switch that are supposed to be like side scrollers and look like old games i'm why do they look better yeah like i i get it that we have better technology but why why does this look better than it used to oftentimes those games that you might be speaking of oftentimes everything is 3d in that game and then the other thing that they they added big time like we just talked about was the replay value this game has Intense extreme replay value. We'll get there. I know you're you're you look like you're ready to explode. I'm gonna throw and just things across throw the room. all the replay value out right now, I and you'll, you'll, you'll ruin everything if you do that. Okay, so I won't, please I won't talk about it. Please stop. Okay. So this game is released May twenty fourth, two thousand eighteen. This is like a year. Yeah, a year ago. This is kind of getting. This is, this is real. Yeah, this, is, this is getting real close I mean, to our talking. If we wanted to back. find our podcast, like this is really right up against it. But like we talk about just, anything from the past, but you know we can't go to the theater and watch a movie. That's and then right. Talk about we're not going to do that. Yeah, we're not, we're not going to talk that. about something that's immediately been released. But we 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 will talk about things that came out maybe a year ago. Here's the thing: you talk about past achievements. This is a past achievement. Past achievement. We're not lying to anybody past about what we talk about. And I feel like this one works because it's it's a retro game. That's why that's why I wanted totally. to do this one totally. and why I like it. It's yeah. it's a retro game. Yeah. So within the first week of this game's release, so the eight bit retro style right, accompaniment not, right. to the other game, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, the main game, which we're not going to talk about. The smaller game sells 100,000 copies in the first week. What? Which is huge. What? Those are huge numbers. I couldn't dig up any other information about what their final total was, but 100,000 copies in the first week is impressive. Wow. That's like similar to the talking back listenership that we got in the first week. It really is. Yeah. Very similar. We launched our first three episodes, and we went from zero listeners to close, close to 100,000. Yeah. Like, close. Very close. Pretty close, yeah. That's impressive, yeah. I want to talk about the story of the game. Love it. Great. But I have a bit of a different idea for this. Okay. You've re-listened to one of our episodes, right? I've re-listened to our episodes, yes. You know, yes. we have uh, a partner. Yeah. 
right? We do have a partner. He's yeah, a, he's he's a robot. Yeah, he is a robot. He's an right. android. <laughs> we haven't given him a name. No, right? Do you have a name for him? <sighs> I was just thinking maybe just Brian for okay, now. Yeah, yeah, Brian. I would actually like to throw it to the fans. Brian's a cool guy and the listeners yeah. to maybe give our, you know, our friend Brian a name. Yeah. But I thought I would throw this one to Brian and let Brian tell the story. Cool. Because it's a bit of a simpler story. Okay. Oftentimes, our, the stories are elaborate. Yeah. And it's a pretty big story. So I like to kind of take that on myself. But I, this one's a bit smaller, a bit shorter. And I thought we'd give Brian a shot Sure. At Brian's it. always been asking, like, when he can get a little bit more He wants work. more He loves work. what he does he and want, he just wants to do more. He does want to do more. Yeah. So... We're going to give Brian a shot at telling the story. So, Brian, go ahead. There was once a man who had been given the moon's curse by demons. That man was Zangatsu. Wrapped in crimson garb with eyes like fire, he relentlessly pursued the demons who cursed him. As he journeyed from one pit of darkness to another, he would stop at nothing until he struck down every last demon in his path. One night, he sensed the looming presence of a great demon. He swore to eradicate all demons no matter how much of threat they posed. Bathed in moonlight, he cried out as he drew his sword which consumed the darkness from within its wretched steel. On that night, either the demons, or the moon itself, would feel the wrath of his blade. Oh, wow, Brian. That was actually pretty good. Thank you. That was that was impressive. That was actually Brian. better than I thought it would be. That was re- Yeah, same. That was really good. Yeah, thank you for that. So basically, what Brian said was that our main character... Zangetsu is seeking revenge on demons who cursed him. Yeah. Just to, to summarize it. I don't know. I always like to throw it to you at this point and see what you might want to talk about. Okay. I can I can keep going if you want. This is the point where I usually say, I feel like I've been talking a lot. Yeah. And I feel like maybe someone else should talk. Yeah. But if you want me to keep going with this, I can. Uh, like, like I, I don't want to step on anything you have later because often I, I get too far ahead of myself. You kind of do that. I well, do that, and then you, then you shut me down. So okay, do you have anything to talk about starting from the beginning? Yeah. Um. This, like, playing this game when you start from the beginning and you're a Zengetsu, and you're, you like sort of in the first level. I get like, I, even though I haven't played a lot of Castlevania, I get that feel right away. Right. I like, I, I remember watching. Castlevania, I remember this is like, oh yeah, this is like it. So you have a regular attack and you have a special move that takes sort of like this magic or whatever um, that you have to accumulate throughout the level. And it's a whip. I was like, oh yeah, Castlevania has this whip thing. And as I'm playing this game, like, and the music's playing and the music is sort of this like haunted castle type music. I, I'm getting right into it, right on level one. And I'm just expecting sort of this, you know, 8-bit... Castlevania type game with Zangetsu. Let's talk a bit about Zangetsu. So he's he's your classic Castlevania character. Like he okay. looks like a Belmont. So the Belmonts are your 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 traditional early Castlevania games. Is Simon Belmont is Castlevania one. Trevor Belmont Castlevania two. It's like the Belmont family. Okay. He looks like one of them. Okay. It's really interesting though because in in the Castlevanias, your main weapon is a whip. Mm-hmm. And your sub-weapon can be other things. Okay. Including the very first thing you get in Castlevania 1 is a knife. Okay. So you start this game. With the knife. Your main weapon is a knife. The very first sub-weapon you get is a whip that whips only diagonally. Yeah. So up. Up. Yeah. So very, very interesting immediate twist that they do. Yeah. And I like right away when I start the game, I like that the knife can do one thing. It stabs in front of you. And the whip can do another thing. It stabs 45 degrees up. So immediately when the game starts, and I know I have these two things, I know that one is for one thing and one is for the other. Right. Like, I have to think my way through this. I can't just use whatever I want whenever I want. I have to think when there's an enemy in front of me, I have to use the front knife. 
And when there's something I need above me, I got to use that. Yeah. I got to use that whip. You need to obviously whip the lanterns. Yeah. Because that gives you life as well as we'll call it energy for your sub weapon, right? So every time you do your sub weapon, you, yeah. you, you use a certain something. To, right. To do I call that. it magic. Yes. Because in the, in the early Castlevania games, it yeah. was hearts. Yeah. You'd collect hearts and that would be your sub weapon. Interesting. This game, when you collect hearts. Hearts are classic life. Hearts give right? you life. Yeah. And the, these magic bottles yeah. allow you to do your sub weapon. It's kind of a lot like I've played a lot of Zelda and it's a lot of like Zelda, right? You get yeah. the hearts for your hearts and you get the bottles for your magic. So what we get really early on is that this is a classic 8-bit Castlevania genre game, but things are off. Things are different. Okay. It's not what you're to used know. to. Yeah. So your character, he moves slow, but he's got his short range attack rather yeah. than a long range attack. Okay. You're used to being able to hit characters at probably more than double the distance that you can now hit them with your knife. So what I notice really early on as I'm going through this game is that it looks like there's multiple paths. But For sure. I can't reach them. Our character can't reach them. You've got this little jump, but there's a platform high up in the air with the staircase going up. Like, I guess I don't care about that. Well, I'm wondering, did I did I miss a secret? For or sure. Is there something that I need to go back and unlock? Or is, is this something that I can access later on? That's a really interesting thing to do to people. Um, just to make them think about what what is yeah. this? Like, what's going on here? So something, I usually, something different is going on. Yeah, so when I come across something like that, I see this staircase up where I can't get. And I was like, okay, like, I obviously can't get to that. I'll just can't carry on. And I'll catch it on the VHS tape later. I'll catch it on the VHS mm-hmm. tape tomorrow. Yeah, I'll tape that for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I usually just pass by those things and think like, that's for later. Right. These these are obviously things you can get to. Oftentimes in games like this, you'll see a platform high up. Yeah. And it's just a platform. You think, well, maybe I can get to it. But if you can't get to it, you're okay with that. Mm-hmm. But these were, these were platforms with staircases yeah. and candles. Yeah. So if this was something you weren't supposed to get to, they wouldn't have that addition. There was no totally. reason to put a candle there. Totally. Like an item. Yeah. If you can't get there. Yeah. So when I see these things, I know something else is up. Right. And here's where you incorporate something of like video games of, of now to, to an 8-bit game is you have like you have that platform and that staircase. So if I like relate it to maybe a Zelda game, if I have a side quest that comes up, I'm like, oh, I'll get to that later. But you only get to that later if you want to get to it. Like, if you go back and get to right. it. Right. This game. You can't go back. You don't go back and get to it unless you want to go back and get to it. Like, right, unless unless you make a choice in this game, which happens way later, to go back and get to that platform. You have to make, like, a mental note about it. That's a good point to bring up because as we were talking about Symphony of the Night and some of these other games in the metroidvania style where you can backtrack and go back to other parts that you've already been to this is not like that this is the classic castlevania style where it is linear you right. once you go and you go through a door you are unable to go back so what, what are these platforms that i can't get to that once i go through a door i'm not allowed to go back and get what why are they there For sure. so it's very interesting just yeah. just a very interesting thing yeah so after we beat level one mm-hmm. we encounter Miriam, who will join our team. Now, this character is more of what I'm expecting out of a Castlevania character. She's got the front whip. She has the front whip. She's faster than Zangetsu. She has so a high. way better jump. Jumps so high. She's a high jumper with a whip. Miriam's the best. I love Miriam. Miriam is who I use the majority That's of the game. That's my character. That's what I was going to ask you. Who the, you use? Miriam. It, she's, Miriam. The, she's the standard Castlevania character. Okay, great. Okay, Zangetsu... Honestly, like, thank, oh my goodness. thanks for starting the game with us, bud. But you suck. Oh, your your attack goodness. is tiny. Your jump sucks. Your sub weapons forgettable. Miriam, boom, wicked whip. Sub weapons from hell. Super big jump. Like, great. Zangetsu's, Zangetsu's sub weapons are a whip that can go in one direction. That's it. Yep. A 
uh, the holy water. Some sort of like, yeah. Shoots down. Shoots straight down. Yeah. And not very far. Yeah. And then he can light himself on fire and I guess I think he takes his attack. I think he takes half damage. Half damage. Okay. Or it's either half damage or he attacks double. I think he attacks double. Okay. Double Didn't power. really know because Doesn't he matter. just went on fire and Doesn't I ran matter. into something and I still got hurt. Yeah. Um, anyways. Yeah. Uh, Miriam was the player for me. So. We beat the first boss. We encounter Miriam. She joins our team. Great. Now, this is super cool. We have so cool. two characters. We have now we have two power bars, two life bars, because we can toggle between our two characters whenever we want. And we have two full life bars. We have two main attacks because Zangetsu has his piece of shit knife and Miriam has her wicked whip. And then we have sub-weapons for each of those characters, right? Here's so, where it becomes very cool, though. When there's a platform that I can't jump to with Zangetsu. Miriam can jump. Miriam can jump there. Yeah. I have to change to her to make that jump. I There's parts of this game that have now been coded in exactly. where I have to be Miriam to do it or I can't get past it. So or, is, or I have to do a different... Like, I have to go a different way. This is where we learn that we have multiple characters... And we're going to have to use multiple characters to traverse this world. And we're going to have to use so their good. different skills in different areas. And how are we going to utilize their skills to yes. do this? So Very I sit cool. down. I'm playing the game. I start the first level. I get Miriam. I come across some point where I think, oh, I have to use Miriam for this. And I'm fist pumping. Because now this is a game. Now this isn't just an 8-bit that I'm running through that I'm supposed to do for yeah. the podcast. Now I'm in. Yeah. Now I love this game. Yeah. So good. So good. We move pretty quickly through the first couple levels. It's not a hard game. We beat the second boss. Mm -hmm. We get another character. Great. Yeah. We're adding to the team. Great. Alfred the butler from Batman. <laughs> That's him. Oh, no. He's got a new show. Oh, sorry, my bad. His oh. name is Alfred, but yeah. it's, not the, it's not the butler. No, he's a wizard. Well, that's a very traditional archetype in Castlevania okay. to have the wizard. Now, this guy sucks. But? But. Hold, hold on. Hold on. Let me explain why he sucks. Okay. First, before we get to why he's good. Okay. He, for me, he was the least usable player in this game. Okay. Okay. You look angry right now. I feel like, is my so face angry. red? Like, I feel like Are it's you like... opening the window right now? <laughs> my face. Get no, away from the, the window. Knife. Put down the knife. Hold on. Knife. Hold on. He's so slow. Yes. Hey. Do you know how slow he moves? The slowest. As slow as the Jaws 3 shark moves. Wow. True. Okay. Wrong. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. He moves as slow as the Jaws 3 shark. You he, are 100% his jumps, he may as well not even be Can jumping. Can he make a jump? Can you even jump? I wouldn't him? even call it a jump. I, I wouldn't call it a jump. His attack is shorter than Zangetsu. It's so tiny. He can hit anything that is six inches away from him. <laughs> Exactly. He can hit anything that is immediately about to hit him in the face. But this guy's sub weapons. This guy's fucking are sub weapons insane. Are the best weapons in the game. He is the sub weapon king. He's the king. So I Every love him. Every single one of his sub weapons fucking crush. Oh, they're Every single one is the best. His Let's talk about a couple of them. Okay. Ice Blast. Ice Blast is the best. You freeze anybody. With one shot of his ice blast, then you hit him with your little dinky whatever he's got his wand, and they just they're they're destroyed. This is they're like sub bosses, okay? Mm -hmm. They're sub bosses who will take eight or nine hits. He one shot freezes of freezes them, cracks the ice, they're dead. You know how many times I use this guy? Every time there was an enemy on the screen that was bigger than me, I used ice. Perfect. Unbelievable. Let's talk about his other one. Lightning. Oh, the lightning orbs that just follows the enemy and they, hits them multiple times. They don't show up very often in the game, but when you get this, it's an orb. You can shoot three of them at one time. Oh. They track the enemy and continue attacking. So basically, if you shoot three of these and each one hits the enemy about four or five times, yeah. you're, you just sit there and you're like, lightning orb, lightning orb, yeah. lightning orb. And this fucking whoever it is is dead the first it's just, time it's, it's i insane. came across it was like right before like the sixth boss or something like that was the first time i saw it right before that boss and i just went orb 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 okay dead 
How long did it take you to realize you could shoot more than one orb? Because uh, I a couple plays, yeah, me a too. Couple times so I, I, that, yeah. I, when I shoot sub weapon, I did it by accident. Yeah, yeah. I shoot sub weapon yeah. and I do it one time because you For can sure. normally only do it once. So I think that was a little boom, bit of boom. like a yeah. they're like, hey, we'll throw this in here, but we're not going to tell you. You can shoot multiple. Yeah. Uh, and his other one surrounded by fire. Yeah, where he, he just... Unbelievable. You just walk into anybody just, and just like yeah, stay... A wall of fire around yeah. him that attacks people if you're touching them. Stay enough distance away from the person and just like kind of walk up close to them. Boom, 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 boom. They're dead. Yeah. Unbelievable sub-weapons. So now we've got three characters. Now we've got three power bars. So if we're fighting a boss, we can use a character, run their power bar down, Switch to another character who has full life, run that power bar down, switch to another character, and fight. And what I love about it is you have to be strategic. Because if you die with one of those characters, you lose all the progress you made on that boss. And you start over. And that character is gone. That's a good point. If you lose a character anywhere, the character is gone. Yes, but if you... It's the two of... Well, to this point, if you lose one, you've got two left. Yeah. So, but if you're at a boss and you're fighting and you're fighting with one character, if that character gets that's, to death, that's right. you have to start you that start boss over. over. You start and over now so. you're down that character. So you have to strategically You have to switch. watch the power bar. Yeah, you have to switch to another character and make sure that you didn't die so that you can continue to hit with that other character. So yes, now you have three characters to fight someone with, but you have to make sure you don't die with one of them that's or right. else you start again. That's right. Good point. So... We beat the next level. We get a fourth character. Yeah. We get Gebel. Gebel, yeah. Gebel. Now, this is your classic vampire character. Totally. This one is straight out of Castlevania 3. Perfect. This character was one of your characters. Okay. It's, uh, in that game, it was Dracula's son, Alucard. Okay. Which is Dracula's So, in backwards. Castlevania 3, you could change characters. In Castlevania 3, you, you had three characters you could play between wow yeah so th- that's why they... and castlevania 3 is on nintendo nintendo now now that seems amazing. this is the connection to um koji igarashi was castlevania 3 was his favorite castlevania game cool so he he wanted cool. to redo something like that so we get gebel classic vampire character he can turn into a bat and Perfect. fly wherever the fuck he wants to Great. fly. right very handy he has no sub weapons his sub weapon is the bat he can't pick up anything else to change that and his normal attack he lets off three little bats yeah that kind of travel in a diagonal fashion and up yeah not very far yeah so it sucks but useful in some situations sometimes yeah i'm only using him to access areas by flying and i'm using him um as a, a, a term i like to use as a meat shield Okay. So that's Meat like shield. a yeah. it's more of a like a like a first person shooter game. Yeah. Where you'll get behind someone else right, and right. him take all the bullets. Right, 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 yeah, yeah. I will let this guy take a beating yeah. so that I can conserve totally, my totally. other characters. So what what I also did with him is uh I w- I was able to use him in situations where I would camp under a enemy and be able to fly the fly the bats, bats or up. whatever up. So a lot of those guys who threw axes they were just walking and throwing axes. I'd walk the stairs up right below them and then fly the bats up to them. So I used them often in those sort of situations, but sure. not useful at all unless you are basically hiding on your enemy and be able to throw those things at He's them. tall. He's a big target. Yeah. He's slow. Oh, he's his slow. His jump is not very good. No. His it's attack, the bat. His you, need the, you need the bat. Yeah, his yeah. attack is not very good, but if you need to get to a high up platform... Like we were talking about in level one where you can't reach it. Guess who could make it up to that platform that we couldn't make it to? Gebel. Gebel. But we can't go back. No. So. So. Weird. Weird. Those are your four characters. Yeah, great. There there are no more, but you have these four. So you're going through the game. You can toggle these characters. You find yourself um, playing with one... I usually, I would usually play with my favorite. Yeah. And if there were scenarios where I needed one of the other characters, I'd switch over. Mm -hmm. But as you switched over, if someone got hit, you could switch back, go to someone else. When you found some hearts that you could use to regain some life, 
Switch I'd switch back to that hurt. character yeah. who may have been hit. Yeah. Fill their life up. I'd always find like the right sub weapon. So there's yeah. always the sub the sub weapon. The purple candle was a sub weapon, right? The orange candles were hearts or magic. Yeah. So you knew when a, a sub weapon was coming. For sure. And you could toggle between your character. If you had a character who didn't have a sub weapon you liked, yeah. you knew that there was a sub weapon there and you could take it you quickly learned that you want to stack up all your players with the sub weapons you want that's so right if you got one sitting there that's the sub weapon you don't want and you see a purple lantern you switch to that character knock the purple lantern and see if it's a better weapon for you yep yep and you can you can raise characters health bars mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. so you can choose as you find these upgrades you can choose which character you want to upgrade with health but there's a there's a couple of different playing styles that you're allowed to choose, not only right off the bat, but every time you die. So, if you choose casual mode, there's mm-hmm. there's two modes: casual and veteran. Mm-hmm. I'll say that casual mode. It's a super easygoing style. Mm-hmm. This is the style I played this game at. Same. We were doing this for the podcast. I didn't know how long it might take, so I wanted to go on the easiest setting so I could gather information so that we'd be able to talk about this you basically have unlimited lives Mm -hmm. so your game is over when all four of your characters die if we're on a level and all four of our characters die you basically start right there again with all four of your characters powered up maybe you're a couple screens back oftentimes oftentimes you're not even that you're just you're right there same screen yeah you're right there i i I think i found that early in the game you started right on the same screen yeah and near the end you started a A little a little bit further back i agree yeah taking damage would not knock your player backwards right which is a big deal because typically in in these games if you're jumping and you get hit or if you're on a platform you get knocked back and you can get knocked back into a pit interesting so your players, that didn't happen to them. Okay. And veteran style mm-hmm. is a style if you're looking for a real challenge. Right. So it's where... Actually, I don't fucking know what veteran challenge is. Did you play it? <laughs> Me neither. I didn't try it. I don't know it at all. I didn't try You know why I don't know what veteran challenge is? You're not a veteran. I didn't try it. <laughs> I didn't try it. Didn't play it. I'm going to assume that veteran challenge is you get knocked back Mm -hmm. when your character gets hit. I mean, I assume there's either more enemies or the enemies are harder to kill. No, I'm going to assume that it's not that, but that it's if you die, you probably start from the beginning of the level. Totally, yeah. This is all speculation because I didn't play it. Okay, so in casual, it shows you that you have infinite lives. Infinite, yes. So you probably in veteran don't have infinite lives. You probably have a certain amount of lives. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so veteran didn't get to try so there's only eight levels in this game. Yeah. It's a really short game. It's really fun because you can probably... Well, I beat this game in probably about two hours. I would say about the under. same for me. Yeah, probably two hours, maybe a little under. Yeah. And I, I usually don't like to rush my game, so I wasn't trying totally. to blast through it. I was just having fun with it. Yeah. But it, it's two hours. It's eight levels. Interesting thing I'm thinking of is that as you're going through the levels... When you get a little bit further, like level three or something, now there's obvious multiple directions sure. to go. Yeah. So there's a low ground yeah. and a high ground. Yeah. And you need certain characters to get to the high ground. Yeah, for Usually sure. Gebel, because yeah. he can fly up. So Always, yeah. if you if Gebel dies, if he gets killed, you don't have him. Now you can continue progressing through the level without him, but now you're taking the low ground. Yeah. Right? So Sometimes I actually just found myself killing my team so that yeah. I would restart so I could just use Gebel to fly up top there. I did that as well. Um, but there's also this option when you pause the game where you can go to Curse of the Moon. And what it does is it resets the level for you. So I, I never, never did really it. got Curse of the Moon. I kind of I kind of understood what it did. I but never did it. I never but used it. it. What it is is... You can just go back and start the level if your guy died, so you don't have to kill everybody. So I think I think Curse of the Moon must have been more for the veteran style. Maybe, yeah. Because yeah. you don't really need that with the casual because style. You because you can just kill everyone and you go kill yourself again. Yeah. and you start not at the beginning of the very level, but like one screen ago. Very, very true. So but if I, you had a number of lives that you, you couldn't yeah. lose... You'd and then want to you just lost curse Gebel, of the moon. you could just use Curse of the Moon, go back to the beginning of the level, and now you have them back. Right. And you could just progress from there so curse of the moon was an option you could yeah. use 
Which I never used it. I didn't yeah. either. Yeah. It basically sounds like a save point. At, at, at some point in the game, you could yeah. use Curse of the Moon and you could save it there. Yeah. We didn't need that in Cat no. I, I did the I did the same thing and sort of the screen that I, I did it on was, I think it was in the last level, maybe the second last level, um, where you had to out-climb something that was sort of chasing you. So often I wanted to do it with Miriam because she's the fastest. So every time she would die, I would just die with everyone else so that I'd have Miriam. And the actually one time I passed it is when I had... Alfred. No, Alfred? I, actually, I actually had Zengetsu left. Okay. And he was the only one left. And I was like, well, I guess I could try with it. And if I die, I die. And I passed it with him. You, and, you know what's interesting about that? Yeah. Is because I noticed the same thing. Okay. I noticed the platforming challenges. So the jumping. Yeah. Were often best done by Alfred. Okay. Because his jump... Shorter jump. His jump was so short yeah. that... You didn't waste the extra time floating in the air, and these little minuscule totally. tenths of a second yeah. that you would save helped you pass the level. Totally, he would do these little jumps. I was trying it time and time again with um, Miriam and also Gebel because I was like, "Oh, I'll just switch to flight and be able to fly up." But also, when you get hit for like, if you get hit with that bat, you fall down. Yeah, and the, so the platforms are gone. The platforms are gone, and then you can't do anything. Like yeah, you just have you're, to kill yourself. you're done. You have to kill yourself. You have so to I, I just kept trying it with Miriam dying, trying it with Gebel and dying, and then I was like, "Well, the, like the only guy left is Alfred." Yeah, Zengetsu and Alfred aren't gonna be able to do it. But then I They're ended the up with just yeah. Zengetsu at the end, and I was like, "Well, maybe I'll just try it," and I ran it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, so that's a great point of the game is that totally. these, they make it so that all these characters matter in different ways and not the ways sure. you think not the ways you think for sure miriam is the best jumper she has the best yeah height and height, reach of her she, jumps you're right she but wastes that, too much she's time. the worst person when you're jumping platform to platform totally because you can clear a platform with her yeah. by jumping too far yeah so by the time we get to level eight mm-hmm. i thought this was really cool because the whole game, you're following your map. Yeah. You The first four levels, four or five levels, you follow it horizontally across the map. Yeah, it's four. Yeah. Four? Yeah. You follow it horizontally across a map of the land. Yeah. Then the last four, you're following vertically. In up, a castle. Up a castle. Yeah. The last level, yeah. which is leading you from the bottom to the top of the castle on yeah. the map, when you're in game and you start that, the first thing you do is you start progressing down a giant staircase. Yeah. Which makes no sense because you're, you're supposed, supposed to be, be going, going up. up. Yeah. But is so cool. Like Oh, for sure. It's stuff like that in games that and don't make like, sense but are so much fun. And it's like as fast as you can. Yeah. You have to go down. You don't even have time to think about it. No, you're like, I just like got to run, like, run, run, run down the stairs. Like I got to get away from this yeah. thing that is like coming across the screen it's like a fog whatever of death it is yeah. or like a, but immediate you're right immediately you go down and yeah you're like, you go well, all the way i down. have to go up so yeah. i know this is going to be a long one <laughs> yeah yeah so very cool the bosses we mentioned the bosses they're they're very non-castlevania okay they're, these ones were like really kind of robotic steampunk in a way like I w- I machines gonna... that are like letting off steam and yeah. like so what I was going to say weird... is they're very like Sonic, which is Dr. Robotnik. Yeah. Like it, they're very like he does one thing and he does it over and over and over. And all you got to do is like avoid that one thing and, and then hit him. Like yeah. that. it's very much, it was very, very much Sonic in my mind. process. Yeah. 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 It was a process. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very, it was very interesting. When I got to the first boss, I was like, oh, that's really different. Because the game okay. up until then was very much Castlevania. Castlevania. Yeah. But, but that boss was very, very new. What I liked about the bosses is that before they die, they let off a death blow. I love it. You can beat a boss. Yeah. But if you only have one or two hearts left and you don't avoid their death blow, they'll kill you. Yeah. That's cool. I like I that. I love it. Yeah. It's really neat. So, so eight, eight, the last boss. Yeah. Easily, easily by far the toughest boss in the game by a lot. By far. By I died lot. way more than on any other boss. I, the I other, had to figure it out. I think about it. This one you had to figure out. Yeah. yeah. The other bosses, it was kind of like some of them you could just grind out. You could just grind. Yeah. And other ones you had to, you had to think maybe a little bit 
Uh, but this one, you you legit had to like use your senses. You had to yeah. switch between characters. Yeah. You had to do the right thing. And stage it was a bit one, of a longer like, two battle. Two stages to the boss. Stage one, super easy. Doesn't matter what you do. You can just hit, 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 hit. And you'll get to stage two. Yeah. But stage two, the hit point isn't accessible unless you think. Yeah. Unless you get your way through it. Which took me a couple times to really me figure too. out that like, I got to think about this. I have to plan my way out. Whereas like the stage one and some other bosses, you could kind of just brute force it. Yeah. Just kind of be like, I have enough life. I'll just get close and keep slashing. Switch to another character, get close and keep slashing. You couldn't do that with the final boss because you had to think of how to get to a hit zone. So we beat the boss. You and I, we yeah. both beat the boss. Yeah. It's fun. Very fun battle. I loved it. It was. I, I did enjoy it as well. The game ends. Yeah. And you get your little finishing clip. Mm-hmm. Of the game. Mm-hmm. And Zangetsu. Deathblow. Our hero. Gets killed. Yeah, because the final enemy is... Uh, the final boss is doing their deathblow. And Zangetsu... He runs, absorbs it. Absorbs it. Runs in the way of it to protect everyone protects else. His and team absorbs it. Yeah. And gets killed or at least captured, I guess. Yeah. By this death blow. And the other three, they want to save his soul is what they say. Right. They want to save his soul. So you get the final clip and it's the three allies. Yeah. Standing on sort of like a hill and looking at the castle and saying, we have to avenge Zengetsu. And in my mind, I'm like, fuck, it's super ghouls and ghosts again. I got to run through this again. Right. <laughs> with these three characters. But no. But no, it says to it's be done. continued. It's done. It's done. But now you get the option. Here's the replay value. Yeah. You get to go through the game with the other three without Zangetsu. Yeah. Now, what that introduces mm-hmm. is one less power bar. Mm-hmm. One less character who has a weapon and sub-weapon. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to go through the game and figure things out without him. Very like, cool. That, that makes me want to replay the game. Totally. You're like, oh, I want to try this with only three players. Like... Because it just adds a level of difficulty, yeah. right? Zangetsu, I didn't use him a lot, but I mean, I used, I did I used use I his 45-degree whip on bosses. He's a strong character. Because you can be below them. I used him a lot on the final boss. I used his holy water a lot to shoot down on For guys sure. who are below well, me. That's the thing. He has the angles. He has the up angle. He has the down angle. There's not a lot of characters that have similar special weapons that can do that angle. Miriam has one. That can do the up angle, and you just have to hope that you have that one. So I, I did use him a lot in those situations. So it would be interesting to play it again without him. So, what else do you know about this game and some of those characters? So what I know is, you don't have to take them as allies. Dean! The problem That was, was my what if. That I, was going to be my what if. Uh, it's a great what if. You ruined my what if. It's a great what if. I... I started to play it again, just a new campaign. And I thought, what if I don't go talk to that character? And you can attack them. Yes. You don't have to go talk and become allies. You can just go up and attack. Because I was thinking, when I was playing, I was like, Zengetsu seems to hate these people. Like, he comes up to them and he says, I hate you. You were a demon, but I guess you can be my ally. And I was thinking, this is really weird of your main character to hate all his allies. Yeah. So I thought, what if you... What if I didn't go talk to them? Yeah. What if I just wanted to like try to slash them? Yeah. And you can kill them. Exactly. You can kill these allies and they are no, you can't play with them. You can't play with Miriam if you kill her. No. So you can kill the ally after you beat the boss and you go to talk to the ally. If you don't talk to them, you talk to them by pressing up. Yeah. But if you walk up to them and don't press up, you can start slashing them and you can kill them. Yeah. And they're like energy orb. Floats out of them and into you. Into you. And yeah. you get, as Zangetsu, yeah. you get a new special power. Yeah. Instead of getting this other character. Yeah. So, holy shit. Holy Is shit. That fucking cool. For sure. So, now you have a different path. And we have three allies. So do you have three different paths? You could now, you could kill Miriam, but you could go take Alfred. Uh-huh. You could then take Gebel or you could kill him. Yes. You could do all these different things. Like, there's all these different combinations, and it will get Zengesu at a different 
power level yeah. with different powers, and also you can pick whatever allies you want. Exactly. You can choose to take. You can choose to kill Miriam. Yeah. And what you get with her is you get a jump slash. So you can jump in the air and slash your knife. Interesting. Yeah. That's yeah. your new attack. Yeah. But you don't have her life bar or right. her sub weapon. If you kill Alfred, you get a double jump. So you can jump twice in the air and do a slashing attack in okay. the air. Okay. But you don't get his health bar right. or his sub weapon. If you kill Gebel, you get a dash. So you can speed run. Ah. But you don't get his life bar. Right, right. Or his flying ability. His flying right? ability. Yeah. What you get is when you do all that, because I did that, when you do that, you get a character way more in line with these metroidvania style cool. castlevania characters cool. these are the way in those games that you power up your character cool. you would eventually get your dash run so you can run faster you would get your double jump so you can jump higher yeah and you'd get your slash attack cool. so you can have a way better air attack so now you have in my opinion a more natural Castlevania game here. Cool. And it's way harder because the bosses yeah. were quite easy when you have four life bars. For sure. And, and four, four sub weapons. Yeah. Now you have one life bar. One sub weapon. One sub weapon. Yeah. But what but they built all these final bosses to be defeatable by Zangetsu with, with the these power powers. Ups. Yeah, perfect. But it's so much it's so harder. Smart. It's so much harder. Yeah. This is this is the hard Castlevania game. This is the one where okay. you like you will struggle to go through it. You will okay. not just blast through every level. Yeah, yeah. And I have I'm about halfway through that. I've struggled with bosses. It's okay. been like a okay. real challenge. Interesting. It's really fun. But like you were mentioning, there are different endings for everything. Right. There's a different ending for that. Depending there's, on what choices you make There's along a different line. ending yeah. if you kill Miriam and keep Alfred and Gebel. Okay. There's yeah. a different ending if you keep Miriam, kill cool. Alfred, keep Gebel. Cool. So whatever you do, yeah. there's different endings yeah. for that. So this is the replay value you totally. couldn't include in a normal 8-bit game. There's just... I want to go back and try all these things. Well, and there are a number of places in this game where I come across and I think, oh, there's two ways to go here. I'm going to go one way. And that's like what I'm going to do because I'm trying to beat this game. But yeah. there's also this other way I could go. Yeah. It's very, like like I said, it's very much like Zelda where you come across like a side quest or whatever. And you're like, well, I'll do that later. Yeah. Like that's just something on my mind that I'll do later. That's, there's a lot of that in this game. There's a lot of like forks in the road where you could go. Yeah. So and like we replay. said, you can, if you fast blast this game, you can yeah. do it in about an hour and a half, two hours. For sure. So it's yeah. not bad just to start over and just, you know, try yeah. a new ending. Yeah. And, you know. When that first game ends, when Zangetsu gets killed and you start over with your three characters, that's why there's that platform up high, right? Right away, right away, right you away. You, have, you start over with Gebel. Yeah. You can fly right up to that, do that area. It's they're all fast track. Here's the, here's the other thing. When you kill all the guys, you're committing yourself to the slow track the whole way, because with only Zangetsu, you cannot utilize any one of those advantages. Right. So there are areas where Miriam can reach a higher platform because she can jump right. higher you always and you get a shortcut. The yeah. And there's Gebel who can fly even higher to do a different shortcut. But Zangetsu, he can only do everything stairs down the whole time. So you have to take the longest path through totally. the game yeah. with the worst weapons, but it feels so much more like a natural experience. There was definitely times in the game where there was like, multiple moving platforms and multiple like different things you'd have to jump to and i would just look at this room and i'd be like uh gebel yeah bat, gebel, fly, fly right across <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm not doing any of this shit for sure for yeah. sure that's the beauty of it is yeah. they make it so easy right off the bat yeah and it's fun right because it's fun just to progress through a game in a yeah. couple hours and beat it totally but then to go you back, go and, back actually, and do whatever you want yeah to, like they change the entire game experience with the dynamics of those characters and changing yeah. how you go through the game with your character. I'd just it's like to brilliant. say that I'm I'm happy that we both played through it the first time and made allies with everyone. We just didn't go run up to them and slash them right away. I I think that says a little bit about us. I yeah, I actually didn't find that out on my own. I yeah. kind of wish I did. Yeah. But I was telling a friend of mine that I was playing the game. Right. 
and he had mentioned that you could kill the character. Okay, yeah. So it was after I had only encountered a couple characters, but at that time I thought, you know what, I'll just play through it the natural way, then I'll go back and try killing them. Totally, yeah. But I, I wish I could take credit for trying that, and kudos to you for doing that. Well, I was just what I what really struck me was Zengetsu's anger and like hatred for the people that he was bringing onto his team like yeah. the allies he was making he hated them and i was like this is really weird yeah that this character just like hates these people so much so when i went back and played again i it was just a thought of i wonder if i don't talk to them or yeah. if i just like go up to them and do something else yeah try to slash them and they just die instantly <laughs> so yeah. yeah well i think that's about it but i think we kind of covered everything i think we covered it I think that's it. So you ruined my what if. What I was, if, okay. I was hoping you didn't kill the members. Sorry. And I was going to say, what if you could kill the team members? Right, right. And you would say, oh, that'd be so cool. What if you could kill them? And I'd be like, you, you can, can kill them. Anyway, so that's gone. Okay. So here's my what if then. Okay. This was like a real short Castlevania title. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I keep saying Castlevania. It's not actually a Castlevania yep. title. It's not attached to Castlevania. Castlevania is made by Konami. This is not a Konami very similar, game. It's though. a very similar yeah. game. But I really enjoyed this short, like, two-hour experience. Mm -hmm. What if they made other games in the popular genres that we like short like this? Like, what if they made a, a two-hour Mario game? Or a two-hour Zelda game that maybe they in, encompassed some replay value like that. Yeah, so there would be like a two-hour version, but there would also be a version of replay or different things you could go, different quests you could go on. Like, you could yeah. definitely extend the game. Because I, yeah. I feel like when I'm thinking of this game, like Bloodstained Curse of the Moon, there's the replay value in it. Like, I could spend a lot of hours on it's it. It's like a two-hour game if you want it to be. I could or it's like a 10-hour or 12-hour game. I could spend 10 to 12 hours easily, yeah. Yeah. So, what if there was I, like Zelda, which is typically, you know, 30 to 60 to 90 hours, Mario, 20 to 40 hours. What if those games were short, little two-hour bursts? So, I would say I'm down with it on Mario. I think it'd be pretty fun. I'm down with it on Mario, 100%. Yeah. If, like, a two-hour game, get through this, and then just, like, do any expansion you want on that. Zelda, I love the long... You like the long The long grind. grind of it, because I feel like it pays off for me. Like, in Zelda, when I... I want to be spending an afternoon looking for one thing, and then finally find it. Okay. Like, well, that's what I like about it. Well, hold on, then. Let me expand a bit. What about companion titles? Like, this was just a companion title True. for Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. So what if they, they're they going to release the next Zelda Breath of the Wild, but they ex they release an 8-bit companion to it? 100% down. That would be badass, I right? love that. I love, like, a little lead-up, give you a little taste. An 8-bit version? Like, an 8-bit taste before? With, with two hours of just playing through it and yeah. getting a story? And well, this ready. game was like $10. So yeah. like, you play it for two hours, it's worth the money. Yeah, and you're ready for the next stage, right? You're ready for the real game to come out. Because now you have like the prequel story or whatever it is. Uh, I'm way down with that. I think it's a genius idea. Okay, call Nintendo. Yeah, I will. I got them on speed dial. Okay, well, when this is done, you call yeah. them. Let me know how it goes. Okay. And that's it for us this week, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.